Hey everybody, welcome back to Terminus, the Horizon Forbidden West of Extreme Metal Podcasts. I am the Death Metal Guy, a.k.a. What do you mean you're not turned on by my baby metal lunchbox? <laughs> and I am the Black Metal Guy, a.k.a. Elden Ring Zelensky TikTok Dance. <laughs> Those are all the hashtags that go at the bottom of the uh, description on YouTube. Exactly. Yeah, no, I figure if we throw those hashtags in there, we can boost our signal a bit with our core demographic. No, I, well, I mean, we got both because both of the like preeminent video games right now are Horizon and Elden Ring. So. Oh, that's that's true. That's true. I hope the bots pick this up and, you know, not everything else we say. <laughs> no, no, literally, I, I turned off uh, I turned off Horizon to do the podcast. I am at 85 hours currently um after getting it like uh two two and a half weeks ago so it's uh it's been a a ghoulish affair at my home lately playing that is that the one where you fight the metal dinosaurs exactly and what more can you ask for someone's gotta fight them yeah (laughs) sons of bitches crowding (laughs) the aisles at Publix, eating up all my snacks you know all right show we got a show and we've got a it's like uh you were saying before we got on it's like we haven't been doing the rundown um which i think is a good move but maybe we should explain where people should skip to in this one i, I think tonight is a weird structure so yeah this is a, a high contrast episode uh very we've got, metal guy and very black metal guy y- yeah we got an opener lined up for you um We'll get to that in a second. But after that, our first big review is uh, Heresy of the Highest Order by Embryonic Devourment on Unique Leader. So this is, Death Metal Guy, this is not Brutal Death, it's Tech Death? Yeah, yeah, I would say it's pretty much straight up technical death metal at this point. Okay, yeah, so this is, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to do this one first, and then we've got... Uh, one you've all been waiting for, but not very long, because we only all heard about it a week ago. It's Blazebirth Hall by Sternatus of the Blazebirth Hall on Drakkar Productions. <laughs> so uh, that'll be that is the sort of resurfacing of a member of a late or marginal band in the scene, Sternatus. Uh, Many, like, over 20 years later uh, with a sort of successor project, with a sort of, I guess, a comeback album. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. So we've got uh, we've got point A and point Z of Terminus, and uh, <laughs> pick where you want to mm-hmm. click, what <laughs> what side you're on, you know? Yeah, re- real Terminators will, will uh, stick it out through the reptiles. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's why we're putting it up front. Is oh no no no, you gotta you're gonna have to make the conscious decision to skip it this time. <laughs> and, oh, and by reptiles I mean it's about reptilian aliens. Yeah, and it's <laughs> very dedicated to it. We'll get into that. But what do you what have we got for this first one? Well, um this is a uh review request, um, a demo submission uh from a band called Mitternacht. Uh, this is Blasphemous Warfare, um, and it's sort of an independent on Bandcamp, but the tape is out through Unchained Tapes. Uh, although I think the, at least whichever tape is being offered through Bandcamp is sold out. I have no idea if you can find this elsewhere. Um, uh, and he sent this in with a pretty, uh, 
pretty promising description. This project is primitive, riff-oriented black metal with some death metal feeling. For fans of Swedish black metal, Marduk Dissection, and Norwegian black metal, Dark Throne Gorgoroth. <laughs> well, those are all things we like. Yes, and so what, what this has done is it's sort of... And it's kind of packaged, at least right now, in the basic format of sort of one-man uh, stompy USBM. That's kind of the, the, the basic format, right? Sort of raw American raw black project, but it's being delivered with all of this uh, more serious Scandinavian influence mm -hmm. um, and this death metal connection, which is interesting. So uh, let's see how that translates into this format. Uh, we're just going to do a first two minutes into the title track, Blasphemous Warfare. exciting yeah that was fun yeah that moves at a clip um <laughs> lots of rpm riffs per minute uh um and you know i mean i quite like that sort of sawing power chord thing that crops up at the beginning and then again at the end there yeah you can hear the Swedish arrangement yeah yeah you can hear the swedish connection in that for sure you were saying marduk opus nocturne mm -hmm. uh yeah, no, that that makes sense. Sounds like some of the Soren riffs too, minus the kind of weird harmonics. Um, I mean, the uh, dominant the dominant thing, at least on this track, does appear to be Dark Throne, like mostly Funeral Moon and Transylvanian. Yeah, yeah. So there was that kind of speedy Funeral Moon type riff in the middle, right? Yeah, which was really weird. Dun, that little dun, 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 dun. that is. 
Yeah. That's like an intentional or unintentional reference to something that's just escaping yeah. me right now. But I, it might be a funeral moon riff or something, but it's like that it, is it, very close to something that is very familiar. It's not the riff to the title track. No, uh, I can no. say that. It's so, but it's something like that. Mm-hmm. Um uh, yeah, lots of dark thrown there, and the melodic part, right, is kind of translucent. The, the part at the end, the, you know, the big kind of uh, epic uh, epic sliding chords change the bass yeah. note under it thing. Which Very is, Transylvanian hunger, right? Which is funny, because I bet a, a lot of, like, younger kids will listen to that and be like, oh, what a cool Sargeist riff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or know, even like, what a cool Swedish part. Yeah, yeah, we all, we've kind of collectively forgotten that all those techniques in the Franco-Finnish thing were on Transylvania mm-hmm. and Hunger. They were just underdeveloped at the time, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 there were the certain parts that people seized on. But no, that's fine. It's got that nice, you know, garagey atmosphere, you know. Well, the, I, I think that you said something interesting, which is the idea of, um, you know, stompy USBM. And that's true because, you know, I would say that for the gestational idea of USBM of the big five, Dark Throne is probably the most important. Um, mm-hmm. Or at least, mm-hmm. like, the most influential, like Dark Throne and Burzum, mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that any sort of more traditional style US black metal band is going to have that resemblance. So I, I'm not comparing it to, uh, to the classics to knock it. I'm just saying, yeah, it's referential. We all are to some degree. Yeah, Plagued by Wrath, the middle track is very sort of, it's that's got a, a slower number, and that's maybe got more of a uh, uh, early Burzum shuffle feel mm-hmm. um, in places. Um, but also, again, a lot of Dark Throne-isms. Uh, that's pretty well done, but it doesn't grab me as much as the first track and the last one, uh, Torture. So what do you make of that one? Well, that was interesting because, well, obviously that's a thrash song. Um, it's mm-hmm. like even calling it like a black metal song is like almost too far. It's a thrash song. What's interesting, though, is like what it really feels like to me is like really early Sepultura, like mm-hmm. um, like bestial devastation Sepultura or something. Just kind of like gnarly, 
adjacent to Cogamello shit. Um, just like really stripped down and simplified. The phrasing on the riff is a bit, a bit, is a bit like, um, the phrasing on the riff is a bit like Angel of Death too, isn't it? Not the manner of, oh yeah. I mean, with, with any sort of freezing water burial, your mind starts to boil. In any, in any, uh, Western hemisphere thrash, it's all about just those like fifth intervals, you know, up a string, down a string, you know, do the, you know, you got your kind of split ABAB riff where it's, you know, the low, the, on the one starting on the E, versus the one starting on the A, you know, it's like, well, I, a think su- it's, I think it's up a fourth here, but I know what you're talking yeah, about. It's it, like the blues, you're doing the blues chord change thing in this kind of remnant way. Yeah. Yeah. It's as soon as, uh, as soon as I heard that opening riff, I was like, I know what the second riff is going to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, they're going to play it up a fourth. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it happened. And I was like, I'm totally satisfied with that. That's the way the song's supposed to go. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, so a thrash, a sort of, uh, a, an extreme thrash song under two minutes long is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And honestly, as a format, kind of more unique than the other ones. Uh, mm-hmm. um, what do you make of the, idea of the death metal influence on here i'm gonna say there clearly isn't much on this that we could be like that's a death metal riff i get the sense that what happened is he recorded these songs and then because he's got a close ear he realized that it was more like the old black metal that had a lot in common with death metal than the new black metal that doesn't well i think um uh, in terms of death metal influence in black metal or even this specifically, I, I think that something kind of paradoxical has happened where as black metal has flushed itself out and spun into all these different directions, we've become oddly more restrictive with what is black metal on, you know, like a specific kind of cellular level. Uh, I remember I, I was talking to uh, the drummer in my black metal band, you know, cause we're working on a new song and he was like, yeah, I, I really like that new riff cause it has fucking palm mutes. Everyone's decided suddenly that palm mutes aren't in black metal songs, but they yeah, were yeah, in yeah, every yeah. fucking black metal song back in the day. So I don't know that it's necessarily death metal influence. I think that it's just, it's old school black metal, which in some ways was more creatively free on a technical level than some things are now. Uh, yeah, no, that's kind of what I meant. Like, we've talked about this on the show, like, that the second wave stuff has a vital connection to, like, sees it, may, might see itself in direct competition with death metal, but that's exactly it. It's in direct competition with it. Like, it's part of the same world, and it's trying to sort of fulfill that tradition, right? That was the whole Helveta thing. It's like, you death metal pussies have corrupted the tradition, <laughs> right? Um, uh, and so, you know, 90s... Scandinavian black metal is immediately in touch with earlier death metal stuff. But another thing I was thinking is that, especially listening to that thrash song, another kind of death metal that's on here is like specifically the kind of death metal. I guess there's like Morbid Angel and whatnot, but aside from Morbid Angel, the kind of death metal that would have been most relevant to the early Norse and Swedish scenes, which is thrashy death metal. So mm-hmm. I wonder if he's into like merciless and shit like that, right? Sort of Swedish death thrash, or um, or if he's into like slaughter lord, or even slaughter. The last track has this kind of like the torture we just listened to has this kind of like strapado type groove. Hey, all, this is Brandon from Cromley, and you're listening to Terminus. Terminus! 
All right, jokes on you fuckers. First record of the night this time is the tech death record. Ha ha ha. Now you have to suffer through it because you clicked on it. But before we get into that, real quick, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me, the death metal guy on Facebook at Terminus Podcast or the black metal guy on Instagram at Terminus Extreme Metal. Uh, additionally, if you really want to support, uh, you can support us on Patreon or Subscribestar. Uh, $3 and up gets you access to the Terminus Prime bonus episodes, a new one of which is going to be coming out very soon. And uh, $5 and up gets you access to the Terminus Prime Black Circle, uh, where you can hang out and talk about goats and goat accessories, as we did last week. Um, so, Embryonic Devourment, Heresy of the Highest Order, uh, out just now on uh, Unique Leader Records. So, Embryonic Devourment is a tech death band that has been around for a fair amount of time. Their first EP was in 03, but they really kicked off in 08 with their first record, Fear of Reality Exceeds Fantasy. Um so these guys did a few records together and then a few small releases, just like a couple splits and another demo. And then it's been basically quiet since, you know, the last full length was 2014. So it's been about eight years. So the lineups reshuffled a little bit. New guitarist, the uh, the main man in the band is uh, the bassist and vocalist, Austin. Uh and uh, they've returned. So Embryonic Devourment had some attention going for them back in like 2008. Um, and a little bit, you know, as they did their following records. But uh, it's been a while and not a lot of people are really that familiar with them. Uh, I got to see these guys live a couple times right after their first record came out. Um, really cool guys. Very weird guys. <laughs> Uh, and phenomenal musicians who played everything note perfect on stage. Um, so to describe this music, uh, this is not perhaps the tech death you're thinking of when you think of that term. Would you agree, Black Metal Guy? Well, I don't have a very clear idea of it because I think it encompasses a lot of stuff. I suppose on this show, the stuff that is definitely tech death that we've covered has... As you wrote in the notes here, um, that sort of uh, crypto thrash sound. Mm -hmm. um, closest example being something like uh, Psychroptic. Right? Um, yeah, as far yeah. as modern tech death. And then as far yeah. as stuff we've covered on the show, I think that's where we came up with that idea of tech death being kind of like where thrash went when we mm -hmm. covered that sickening horror record on the uh, first season of the show, I think. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. So big, big flashback. We haven't covered that much tech death stuff, but yeah. Um, there was another one that had a kind of like orange flowers on the cover uh, that obsolete. I actually, yeah, uh, I brought on the isolate. show. Yeah, yeah, but that that also had this kind of thrash thing. So a lot of that stuff is sort of uh, closer to the main line of extreme metal than this stuff is. This is very techy, very weird, not thrash rooted. Uh, but it also does not last... I'm sure it's influenced by, you know, the cynics and atheists of the world, but it never uh, sort of uh, huffs its own farts in that way. No, there's definitely no fart huffing um, on this record. <laughs> no, no. It's... um, And, and so it, it's kind of... um, You'll have to explain where some of these influences are coming from, but it is very sort of... Uh, I can hear the relationship to some of the brutal death stuff we have here on the show, and I can mm -hmm. hear a relationship just to immediately to, like, 
prog rock stuff, but they managed to pull off the prog rock stuff pretty tastefully. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I think uh, it's interesting you bring up the Brutal Death because uh, back in the day, kind of the original incarnation of this band around Fear of Reality is um, n- not fully Brutal Death, but substantially more like Brutal Death than this is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It seems like they've shucked away some of the, <laughs> some of the slammier stuff that they were doing periodically with a, a couple small exceptions. Um, uh, the striking thing about this record and really about embryonic devourment's whole discography is the pacing because this is extremely technical music, but it's mostly mid paced when you get down to it. There's not a ton of like really high speed blasting sections with a lot of guitar theatrics. This is more a study in uh, there's definitely jazzy stuff going on in the guitars, you know, sort of like in defeated sanities, you know, softer moments. Um, there's definitely the prog rock stuff coming across, but overall, this is like a, a study of weird time signatures, deliberately uncomfortable intervals in riffing and, uh, and very kind of strange harmonic palette. I think this is really cool. I, well, you know, full disclosure, I really like this record a lot. Like this could be one of my albums of the year just because, this instantly goes to the top of the tech death pile. As far as guys doing this sort of style, I think this takes a lot of risks. It has a lot of ambition, and I think it really executes on its promises. And moreover, I think one of the cool things is that all of these really are individual songs. I, I'm sure that they're probably a little bit hard for you just because you're not really acquainted with this. But for me, I can snap onto all these having super unique identities. Yeah, I can't say I like it, but I find it engaging, which is about as high a praise I can give for something that's like very sort of proggy, uh, um, proggy tech death, basically, right? Mm -hmm. Just sort of on on the complete opposite of the musical universe from stuff I like. (laughs) Um, This is uh, pure long hair, pure long hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is over there with, uh, yeah, this is is like, yeah, exactly, pure long hair. So, um... The, but another selling point for the people um, would be, here's a conceit for this band. It's like, this is what Blood Incantation is supposed to sound like. Yes. Yes. Right? This is, um, so the thing about this band, for you guys who don't know, is that it's all about uh, the reptilians who secretly control the world. Um, mm-hmm. And these are, as the samples throughout the album we'll let you know these are sort of um these are ancient aliens right as in they're you know they're 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 not from earth um and uh if you want the real sort of ideological introduction the first track kathy o'brien experience has that um along with the most difficult deliberately alienating music on the whole album (laughs) uh um every interval carefully selected for its its queasy weirdness (laughs) Um, and it kind of plays, that track kind of plays the role of a deliberate barrier to entry. It's like the, um, uh, Revelation of Doom at the beginning of Gorgoroth's, uh, (laughs) I get that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, because this track will, if you're like tech death curious, you should check this album out for sure. That track might be a barrier to entry. Keep going. 
Um, that's that's interesting. Yeah, no, I I kind of agree though, because I mean the word one of the words we've been kind of dancing around is psychedelic, just because mm-hmm. psychedelic is such it indicates horrible things in metal most of the time. But here's a case that, where that might be a fairer term than proggy in some ways, or it might explain why this is the kind of proggy I can deal with. Yeah, um, this like you said, it seems like every riff on this record. And that's something I'm going to talk about is this is as complicated as it is based on very distinct riff forms. They're just kind of hard to pick out sometimes. Um, Every interval is chosen for just maximum queasiness and weirdness. Um, And they pursue that with such intentionality and such intensity. It really makes this such a weird experience to listen to. There's not a lot of stuff out there that's like this. Um, in terms of influences, I think that when the first record came out, Fear of Reality Exceeds Fantasy, I think the primary thing was some of the slower parts of Malignancy, uh, who are one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, you could also compare these guys to a band that was pretty hot like when we were coming up, but is kind of forgotten now, called uh, Gaijan, or Jigan. Hmm. I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, they're actually... A- G-I-G-A-N? Yeah. Uh, they're, I think they're on a willow tip now. They've, they've continued on, but I think they're mostly cared about by like Prague people and stuff. Oh my God. Even the photo looks ancient, but they're actually super cool. Like as cool as Prague death can be basically mm-hmm. wonderful band. I need to go back and listen to them again. Um, but so we, so we're not, you know, dancing around architecture. Let's go with, uh, let's go with your first sample and we can talk a little bit more about the influences and like, all right, maybe elucidate some of this stuff for you. So after the, um, after the harrowing ordeal that is the Kathy O'Brien experience, um, we are on to, um, we get a major change of mood in heresy of the highest order. Here we are a minute in.
So at the end, I'm starting if I can I can identify that was a morbid angel riff. Yeah, there's definitely a lot Okay, so yeah, when they go to the blasting on this record, um, is when it's simplest. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, the blasting almost sounds. I would expect the blasting to sound more like brutal death or more like the sort of thrashy tech death. This stuff is more like Morbid Angel or even like Behemoth. Yeah, um, definitely. Th- I, I would say the riff before the one that just came in, the really sort of queasy one with the two harmonized leads, that's a better indicator of like this band doing a being themselves in a distinctive way doing blasting. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the blasting parts feel connected to stuff that is much less out there than this. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's, um, if you want to talk about a lineage of tech death, um, well, one, I think that tech death and brutal death, especially early on, are very inextricably linked. But if if I wanted to talk about the seed from which tech mm-hmm. death really grows within old school death metal, I think it is Morbid Angel. Um, you know, I, I, Interesting. I, I mean, I've been harping... I feel like I've harped on Morbid Angel so much on the show. I'm almost like <laughs> feel like I shouldn't talk about it more. But the reality is, Azek Toad's guitar style was so much more technically dynamic and so much weirder than anybody else out uh, at the time. You know, late '80s, early mm-hmm. '90s. That was an influential seed for everything else. Uh, then you know you can hear how that bleeds into suffocation uh, in the late '80s, early '90s. Um, which is obviously a more brutal take that's influenced by hardcore, but obviously is establishing certain riffing paradigms that still exist today, like those crazy, you know, 16th note runs, palm-muted 16th mm-hmm. note runs. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then everything kind of spills out from there. Um, and then this really accesses a lineage of 90s to mid-2000s tech death before everything had really flattened out into either very flashy kind of deathcore influenced stuff or very just straight prog death. This is, this is more gestational for the whole scene. Um, but they've, they've decided they've kind of narrowed the sound that they appreciated down to this specific set of techniques. And then they've elaborated on them from there. So what you're hearing is sort of a memory of a style that isn't really around anymore. What does immolation have to do with this? Because if you were just to tell me highly technical death metal that is mostly mid-tempo and kind of alien sounding, I would think, oh, so kind of like immolation? I definitely think immolation could be a substantial influence here. I bet if you talk to these guys, they probably love immolation. I think immolation is totally within the lineage of, like, Morbid Angel. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I think they were heavily influenced by them. Uh, but there's also very specific guitar technique stuff happening on this record mm-hmm. that I think is directly from Immolation. Uh, like one thing that I noticed. Uh, <laughs> so funny story. I think the rhythmic fluidity is very Immolation. Like not only are they playing at mid tempo, you know, in black metal, when you say band plays at mid tempo, what you mean is if anything, it might have less rhythmic subtlety than anything else. Right. Dong, dong, mm-hmm. dong, yeah. dong, 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 dong. Um, and it's not like bolt throwery kind of mid tempo either, right? This is very sort of uh, complex time signatures, but not in a choppy way. The music kind of has this uneven flow to it, and that's a very immolation thing. Yeah, this is very stately music mm-hmm. in, a, in a lot of the cases. So well, stately, but also a bit like that picture of John uh, of you know John Lennon walking on acid. 
<laughs> like a, yeah, a yeah. stately version of that. So yeah, immolation is stately, stately. This yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, but getting back to guitar technique, one thing that I noticed listening to this record a few times uh, because there's many different interpretations of this track list <laughs> on various places of the internet that I had to like figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing you'll notice in Immolation's work and here is the constant vibrato from the left hand. Um, there's riffs on this kind of slower single note picked riffs where every single note is bent or trilled, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very Robert Vigna uh, kind of technique from Immolation. Uh, have you ever seen Immolation live? God, I'd love to. Honestly, this sounds like new Immolation because they recorded mm-hmm. that. I haven't heard the newest album, but the last one had this kind of... I mean, it, the songs were much simpler than this and much simpler than old Immolation, mm-hmm. but they had this kind of warm tone that's kind of more like the... T- this this tone isn't warm, but it's not like crushing death metal tone. And uh, there's something about this. There's aspects of, and it's also about conspiracy stuff. Yeah, yeah that's true. The, the last. Any, anyway, sorry, I just interrupted you. I haven't seen Immolation live, but I would like to. You know, of the of the fancy death metal bands, they're probably the one I most respect. So. Yeah, so I've seen Immolation live a few mm-hmm. times. Uh, I'm not the biggest Immolation fan, but watching them play is fascinating. And Bob Vigna, uh, one of the guitarists, his technique is so weird and fascinating like you know it it feels like 70 percent of his picking is upstrokes he's got this very strange kind of flowing yet robotic style with his right hand really interesting you know you could not hear him play a note you could just watch his hands and you would know that it was bob figure um and i so i think a lot of that has crept into this music just you know, you've got to, you got to, because so much cool stuff comes from having weird physical technique, you know? Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, that's basically the origin of heavy metal. You know, Tony, you know, he gets the fucking, uh, gets his fingertip cut off and replaced with a metal cap and they have to down tune to comp- compensate from the feedback that generates. Um, so real quick, let me, let me jump into another sample because I want to talk about this structurally. Uh, so obviously listening to any of these tracks, it's very easy to kind of let them blow past you because it feels like almost an endless procession of fills. Um, now there's definitely very freeform jazzy stuff across this record, but I think after listening to it a few times, most of these songs are based around a core handful of riffs, maybe four or five a piece. They're just incredibly long, but they're not long in the way that we've been talking about long black metal riffs, where it's a sort of single unbroken melody and a sort of like romantic classical tradition here. It's through the density of variations. Uh, now it's very common. You'll hear a B a B kind of riff variations, mm-hmm. you know, different, different turnarounds at the ends of riffs. That's standard. But here it's more like ABCD and the turnaround is halfway through the riff. You know, it's it's not just the last couple chords at the end. Mm-hmm. So I want to listen to a song called High Clearance Code Access. Now, listen to the opening riff on this, which is an ABCD sequence and see if you can hear where the turnaround hits. Open. 
So obviously I had to get that, uh, that bizarre clean vocal couplet that happens in there. <laughs> <laughs> which which actually happens nowhere else on the record. That's something that I like, is there's a lot of, like, just one-off moments across this record um, that are just really unusual and really pique your interest, and then it's not establishing a pattern for the rest of the record. It's just it's popping up at the right no, time. That, that's just the weird song you hear if your security clearance is high enough. Um, yeah, if the Anunnaki allow you into the inner circle of Skull and Bones. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they will allow you to hear those those mystical sounds from the rings of Saturn. Um, so so yeah, where was the turnaround? I, I was confused as to how long you meant by one riff. I thought I heard a, tur- a thing maybe at forty five seconds, but that's like, that's right around the right place. Uh, the full sequence. were you going for a turnaround within the middle of the sequence, like at B to C? Um, so. What's what's happening is interesting. You've got this skeleton idea of a riff that is one repetition, and then you've got variations where the f- like the A and B, the second half of the riff is modified, and then it kind of inverts on the C, where the front half is modified, but you're continuing with the original half of uh, the A, and then the D repetition is like cut in half. They do a variation of the first half, and then they break into a new riff. But the actual idea is like a three and a half repetition idea that's just been manipulated in all these different ways. The main chord backing is actually the same. It's just crazy how many flourishes they can pack into it. Uh, But that's what I'm saying is like a lot of this has the structural underpinnings of riff based music. You just really have to pay attention to hear where those riffs are stopping and starting. Well, I missed it. (laughs) <laughs> well, the, well the other thing is that the i'm talking about four repetitions but the time signatures are also completely off the fucking wall um a lot of this record is done in just like odd numbers it's a lot of five and seven and nine four from what i'm able to pick out um so when you're waiting for the turnaround you're usually hitting it late or early if you're primed for four four um so uh yeah, so about this, I don't know, what else? I liked that, those sort of uh, runs toward, the blasting runs towards the end with kind of um, uh, kind of weird, smeary chords. Um, let's see if I can figure it out. That's sort of like... That sort of X-Files theme song stuff mm-hmm. going on, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, no, the, uh, the uh, these guys are really interesting in how they're able to manipulate these really dissonant chord phrasings into sort of legible melodies. Like, one that I was pointing off off uh, your first sample was the the riff that's basically an NWOBHM riff, just chorded extremely weirdly. But if you break it down into just the basic root note intervals, you're basically looking at like a speed metal riff. Well, it's like interrupting. Yeah, there, and there are two different versions of it that happen, and it's just played as an interrupter in the middle of, even though it's more catchy, it's just played as an interrupter in the middle of other kind of more wandering psych riffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it, this is definitely on the deliberately difficult side of the musical spectrum, which I, I understand yeah, I is can... an acquired... Like, for instance, I, I can assume you hate the bleepy-bloopy Dillinger, like, stop-start stuff in the middle of that, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I certainly have no interest in it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's fair. No, it's yeah, like yeah, this yeah, is yeah. definitely for a, a specific kind of audience that has patience for that kind of yeah. thing. There's um, some stuff on this that sounds like Primus. Oh, I could definitely see that. Yeah, especially the bleepy bloopy stuff. Yeah, I wonder if it's on my next sample. It began with lizards. <laughs> like all good nights begin. <laughs> that did actually start with those exact bleepy bloopy parts I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, it goes, um, yeah, well, and, and bef- right before then, it's at this, uh, there's a good sample about the reptiles at the Rockefellers. Um, and then it goes into this kind of detective mystery vibe, mm-hmm. which you got just at the beginning of the sample. And that's interesting. You get this kind of mood of, that fits the whole sort of, um, you know, trying to, piece things together vibe of the whole record. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, when you get a moment of sort of regular melody or riffage on this record, it stands out because even even if it's in a tiny amount, like at around the two-minute mark, we just get that those arpeggios like... Oh, yeah. That's that... Well, what's cool about that, though, is even if it's, you know more like regular riffing it's still really weird like chord coloration in there you know there's oh yeah no yeah no it sounds i mean it's in that category of tech or brutal stuff that i would say sounds like mastodon and probably there's just common influences on both of those from like prog rock and psych stuff 
Definitely. All the kind of bluesy sounding stuff you'll hear dotted around. It's mm-hmm. all coming from the same general origins of yeah. like prog and psych rock, yeah. I think. And there was a really cool blasty part towards the end of that passage, but I, I couldn't hum it for the life of me. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. So what else? We got to talk about the, you know, um, who's on the album cover? Can we like... It's not entirely clear. Oh, well, if we pull it we've up got, on... Well, this is zoomed in. Uh, yeah, so no, we, pull it up on Bandcamp. Yeah. We've got... Uh, we got W. We got Trump. Um, it looks like the Queen. Yeah. Kim Jong-un. Uh, top left is Putin. And then is that Obama or Giannis Varoufakis? I'm guessing Obama, but I'm not sure. That one's the hardest to tell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, what? with the mutilated woman bleeding, uh, hung, hung from ropes, bleeding into a chalice below them. I think blood. they're collecting her menstrual blood from her her afterbirth. That was the uh, that was one in one of the samples. That's one of the distinct lines. It's an, yeah, yes, as an afterbirth from a miscarriage. Um, but the uh, the Kim Jong Un thing is weird because surely if you're assuming that all the global like the global power centers are all lizard. The people involved in global power networks are all lizard people, mm-hmm. right? Surely North Korea, the pariah state, would be the one guy who's not in on it, which makes me think someone should record a North Korean, sort of a North Korean nationalist black metal record that's about how Kim is taking on the reptiles by himself. <laughs> that, would, that would be phenomenal. I mean, we, we need a yeah. North Korean black metal demo in general. Yeah. Yeah, anti-aircraft ex anti-aircraft execution of reptilian sympathizers. Oh, there we go, there we go. When you uh, when one of us visits the other, that's the, de- the demo we're cutting. Yeah, we um, got we got to do that. Okay, but like so. Um, well, no, real quick though, I th- I think the thematic stuff here is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. You know the the whole idea of this like very dedicated uh, conspiratorial stuff. Uh, because, like I said, I've I've seen these guys live a couple times, and I, I spoke to Austin at one point. Now, granted, this is back 2008, 2009, but uh, he had some very provocative things to say about the Freemasons and, uh, you know, a couple other kind of classic conspiracy theories. So I think these guys are, like, really dedicated to this and do take it very seriously. And that comes through in the music. It's like we were, we were joking about it, you know, talking before this. It's like that describes all good extreme metal, right? is no matter how weird your subject matter might be, you have to take it extremely seriously. Yeah, you have to be seriously dedicated to far-out shit. Um, and, you know, that's where it gets back to the the blood incantation comparison, which is, like, they're into sort of, uh, you know, an, an edifice of lies covering up the alien past of our planet, but it seems much more like... It, it seems much more like... I mean, who knows? Correct me. If you're a member of Blood Incantation, correct me. But um, it seems like uh, much more kind of like, uh, you know, uh, the Area 51 people are trying to cover up our knowledge of the greys who are here to help us. You know what I mean? Or like, yeah. we've got to take DMT with Rogan and talk to the Clockwork Elves. Right? <laughs> um, whereas this is more like, yeah, the aliens are, are here and they are malevolent. 
<laughs> it's like when me, uh, me and uh, Hyper Shaman, the Terminus mm-hmm. Enter, were talking yeah. about uh, doing uh, yeah. violently anti-alien death metal. <laughs> yes, it's you know what it is. It's it's got the sort of um, you know, yeah, blood incantation. Here, here's my think piece: blood incantation and the depoliticization of aliens. Aliens mm-hmm. are inherently political. Black metal guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Real quick, back to music. <laughs> it's because we're just going to go completely insane if we keep doing this. Yeah, 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 it's too early. It's only 1.47 a.m. We can't Exactly. We, we, yeah, we got to save uh, it up. Um, mm-hmm. So my last sample... Uh, so I, I, I said earlier on, so these guys used to lean in more of a brutal death direction. And you only hear that in fits and starts on this record, but this is a really phenomenal passage. Uh, This is called Murder of the Ancients, and there's a really cool block in the middle of this song uh, that does this. In terms of riffing, this is one of the simpler parts on the record, but the way they manipulate time through playing with different time signatures, interesting, just kind of like stretched out syncopation on the drums, really fascinating stuff, getting so much juice out of these relatively simple melodic lines. So this is one of the clearest parts on the record where you can really kind of chill out and pick apart the intricacies. So I'm interested to hear your reaction to this. That section as a whole, I think, is very legible. Yeah, that's a lot more engaging for me. That has, you know, some of the... That has the kind of sense of, of mystery that uh, is, I think, the strongest atmospheric aspect of this album. I think that's kind of the prevailing mm-hmm. mood in a, in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, is this, uh, you know, this, this sort of merging of death metal and, you know, detective movie soundtrack stuff. You know, where you're you're piling up clues like, you know, listening to a section like that, you can really picture affixing the pieces of yarn on the cork board to to assemble your crazed network of the reptilian agenda. You know, well, 
Yeah. Well, what's crazed is their agenda. Um, and <laughs> you know, the, uh, I, I think as I listen to those, it's sort of, it, you know, we're, we're in the kind of more, uh, maybe Vigna esque inverted upstroked arpeggio kind of thing for a while there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it gets choppier again, especially not right at the end, but right before then. Um, it, it sort of before it goes back to the blasted, right? We get this like sort of stuttering palm mute stuff, maybe kind of what you were saying that Dylan jury kind of choppy stuff. Mm. Uh, and what what I was thinking is it that may actually be written to the lyrics. Oh, I or, can see that. Yeah, the lyrics are probably given that this band is is seriously committed to their ideology, right, and their concept. Um, it's. Uh, I think the lyrics are probably important to how these songs are structured and may have something to do with the weirdness of it. Like they're doing the kind of, um, given they're such refined musicians, they can tailor bespoke riffs for every line. So this song actually has a bit of a rock opera feel. Um, you get like, uh, like, like during that stuttering part, you know, mighty as carnivore, nurturing protection, sunken into the slit, silent worship, Temple of the Crocodilian. I am the infinite leader. I live inside your every fear. Home is beyond the physical state. Home is beyond our emotions. Uh, y- you know, and, and he's he's clipping those syllables in time with the chugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the end of this song gets pretty weird. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> this gets pretty X-rated. Uh, um, yeah, uh, but, but that's the thing is like they remember they're a death metal band. You know, th- this is not a clean... De- I mean, it, the reptilian agenda is sick and evil and is about, you know, uh, rape and killing and mind control. I mean, it should be depicted in as unsettling a manner uh, as it is. I mean, oh, man, y- you want something fun? You know how sometimes you'll check out the uh, the comments under the YouTube videos? For oh, yeah. Something? Oh, dude. Dude.
All right. And we are back with the record, Blaze Birth Hall by Sternatus, latter-day remnant of the Blaze Birth Hall, resurgent after 22 years. Uh, this is out on Drakkar Productions. Uh, so, um, this is a big event. Yeah. This is perhaps the most significant comeback record we've had on the show. Um, the immediate analogy is to the Hate Forest record from two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but Senko had remained active. And he had been he had been pursuing side projects that were getting increasingly hate foresty, and I kind of had a feeling he was going to do it again. Uh, this is totally left field, uh, you know, from a scene that went dark in part because its two central members are dead, violently yeah. dead, right? Um, uh, and. Um, he, you know, it seems like he was a, a younger dude who was on the periphery of the circle, uh, but played with uh, Kaldrad and the drummer Ron Sverdi on, on a demo in 2000. Uh, and, you know, in that whole scene, the demo full length distinction basically doesn't exist. This was a 37 minute record. So, yeah. um, so yeah, and apparently, the you know, the, the band was named by Olve. So this has... This is of the lineage of that circle. It's gone away for over 20 years, and suddenly now he's back. Uh, you're the big Blazebirth guy of us. What do you make of it? Well, so, well this is going to be an interesting conversation, because we were, we were actually talking about this record for, for a while before we started recording. Um, so, man, it is really hard to give an assessment as a guy that has been so fixated on Blaze Birth's music for half my mm -hmm. life. I, I will say just to open up it the gorilla sized balls on this guy to name his record Blaze Birth Hall. It kind of took me aback. And so I ended up, you know, scouring information about him online. It's like, are you fucking real? Are you were you really there, bro? <laughs> you know, going full mm -hmm. schizo on it. Um, mm -hmm. It does seem like he was there, definitely on the periphery, and I think that he would admit that. But yeah, he was there. Yeah, that's what it says in the press material. He's not pretending to have like been like in forest or something. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, that would <laughs> that'll get you killed. <laughs> but, uh, so my my overall impressions of this record. It's a very good well, record. Um, I like it a lot. I think that in terms of how does it live up to the name, it's that's kind of an interesting discussion in and of itself. I, I've got a whole idea about what this record intends to do, but I want to rewind just a little bit to what we were talking about before, because, you know, we were talking. Oh, about yeah, because what we're, we were just talking with each other before uh, before we went on air. So yeah, got to fill you in on the conversation. Yeah. So uh, regarding Blaze Birth, it's uh, it's one of those things where I, I'm a huge Blaze Birth fan have been since, you know, you and I started talking. And I always forget because I'm so obsessive about Blaze Birth that you're actually not like this super hardcore devotee uh, of that stuff. 
No, we also just I, talk about it on the show so much. It's a really, yeah. I mean, it's one of the fundamental reference points for the 2000s, for the sort of self-sustaining underground scenes of 2000s black metal. I mean, it would be this. It would be the Blazebirth stuff in the late 90s and early 2000s. It would be the French stuff in the late 90s and the Finnish stuff in the early 2000s. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and so it's a huge reference point on the show. Uh, and, you know, it deserves to be because they've had a just massive, you know, it's, it's visionary music with a, uh, a big influence. Um, mm. For me personally, in terms of the more, uh, I don't know, you know, in, in terms of the more sort of, uh, in, in terms of Slavic stuff that's sort of taking... In terms of Slavic stuff that's not Graveland, right? That's like going to more sort of uh, atmospheric and abstract places, right? I've I've always preferred the Kharkov scene, right? The mm-hmm. the you know the 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 Sanko and Thurios bands, but those guys are way less out there than um, the Blazebirth Hall in certain ways, right? One reason I preferred it is that it's sort of uh, sort of disciplined, very physical. Uh, sort of um tight song structures uh and in some ways maybe also more overtly folky um and it's also just you know heavier it's more ag- yeah aggressive in a yes. traditional sense yes yeah. we often talk about how even droog if you go back to it listening for like atmospheric black metal you're gonna have like your ears scraped off <laughs> um you know uh yeah so it is it, it's just sort of more direct music um, and, uh, and, and, and I like that about it. Um, but, uh, you know, they were pr- almost certainly influenced. The Blazebird stuff had already gotten going by that time. So the more atmospheric stuff in Dr- Astrophase and Druid is probably influenced by it to a degree. Um, it's not a huge time difference, but they would have been paying attention to it. Um, and, uh... Um, yeah, and so I've always favored that sort of more uh, more direct Slavic stuff, but I've always, you know, taken the Blazebirth stuff seriously as art. Um, I think what I've always said to you is I find Blazebirth slightly overrated because, not because of any real shortcomings of the bands themselves, but simply because, like, you know, American nerds who are obsessed with it. Yeah. Right. Guys people like in <laughs> yeah yeah and also people from the punk scene right who, who'd got really into this stuff and sort of um uh, obsess over it and uh and whatnot uh and and for me the you know the things that will the thing that has never quite there are individual songs in blazeworth that really just hit hard for me um, I've been trying to lately, I've been going back and listening to more of it just because you like them so much and trying to figure out what I think about it. And I think it's turned out that I like Raven dark a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, in part because the, it has these kind of, um, it has these long unfolding obscure melodic structures, but they're have much more focused definite forms than the stuff where forest or Brana called sort of, uh, um, sort of becomes more atmospheric or sorry, like, you know, yeah. sort of, I mean, I get it. You're, I, you're, the, you're the, interested. To, to me, the excess of the blaze birth style 
is the, the way that, you know, you have these long wandering melodic lines that sort of just become skeletons for tone and texture. Mm-hmm. And it can, to me, it can get a little meandering and a little diffuse. I, I was about to say exactly that. Yeah. The, the stuff that yeah. you're most interested in from Blaze Birth is the least diffuse stuff, which is interesting yeah. because, like, the most defining stuff, you know, is, Forrest and Brannacult is the most diffuse. No, e- yeah. exactly. And a thing I've been thinking lately is, like, I, I wouldn't want them to be any other way. You know what I mean? There's a genius to those yeah. bands. They were exploring the possibility space of black metal, which we'll get back to, right? And moving rapidly to uh, explore the new terrain they'd found, right? So that it is not my favorite realization of this sort of uh, highly textural stuff. Doesn't really matter. They fucking did it first. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like... Uh, the, I mean, you're just talking about the opposite of how I have oddly enough over time you, come you know, around so, on Eisensker, you know? Yeah, yeah. You've sort of come around on, on certain kind of Norse stuff that just is Norse molded stuff that just is the way it is. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of what I was going to say. Like the fact that I'm not too keen on certain as the fact that certain aspects of Blazeworth doesn't align with my personal songwriting aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's just me like saying I'm not keen on icebergs. <laughs> you know like like you know does the iceberg care um is it is it in any way like uh relevant to the iceberg not really right this is one of those scenes that's been so formative it just has to be reckoned with mm-hmm. um the interesting thing about this record is uh it it um it has that uh ineffable essence of all the Blaze Birth stuff, it delivers it very directly and in a way where it really clicks with me for the whole album all the way through. And uh, if anything, this is now going to make me even more want to go back and listen to other stuff in light of this. I gotcha. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that. That's very interesting to me. I mean, I, I should have always, you know, it just you were you were so polite. <laughs> as as I would obsess and rave about Blaze Birth Hall to just be like, yeah, man, no, Forrest is really cool, dude. You know, I'm glad you're having a great time. Um, but I, I should have figured that, you know, the big points of passion, and, you know, I'm a fucking normie about it, you know, Forrest and Branna Calder. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying when we reviewed that Vlado record a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. Forrest might be my favorite black metal band of all time. I should have figured that the more diffuse stuff really wouldn't necessarily connect for you. Um, But I can definitely see keeping that in mind why this one hits you so hard. Because it really does, as you say, capture the essence of Blaze Birth Hall, but insert it into a form that is, in a sense, much more immediate. Yeah, in a sense, what it's doing is telling the people who obsess over all its idiosyncrasies, right? Say the, uh, well, the production varies wildly on Blaze Birth, but people often really like the remote, the most remote necrotic stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they obsess over the production. They might obsess over some of the most... Uh, lyrical hooky riffs in forest or some of the most obscure difficult st- <laughs> they they like it in the way anthony fantano would like it yeah or they or, i mean and even people who are more serious you know there are people who do 
people might be very into some of the more uh, obscure and difficult stuff, too, about it as well, just sort of for its own sake. Mm -hmm. Um, This band is saying it wasn't really about any of those things. And it doesn't really have any of those things. It just, and yet it delivers the essence in this really direct way. Um, uh, should we, should we get, there's so much we could talk about before we get into it. Um, that's always our natural tendency. Should we play a sample now? And the other question is, neither of us sampled from the first two tracks, but they're kind of important to just conveying the different feel of this record from the standard Blazeware thing. I'm wondering if we could do, bro, can I, can I have an extra sample? Just like 30 seconds. Oh, fine. Go ahead, sweetie. Oh, thanks. Thanks, dad. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, all right. Well, I'm going to get the extra sample ready. say to the statement that the only kind of classic forest Branicald type riff we get on this record in, in the full sense is actually the clean strummed stuff before the beat comes in well black metal guy i'm glad that you asked about that uh because that is a direct callback to the uh opening track off Branicald's frost vision hmm it is a very slight variation of the riff that defines that whole song, except for Branicald, of course, it's a 10-minute song of nothing but jangly, clean guitar soaked in reverb, mm-hmm. but that is absolutely a, a, a direct reference there. Like, it kind of touched me when the record opened like that. I'm like, okay, man, all right, I'll give you my respect. You gave up the first minute of your record just directly to that. And that's how the album closes also, isn't it? Is it the same riff? It definitely closes with that mood, although I think it's more arpeggiated. Yeah. I, I think it's got the same effects on it, though. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, so no, it closes on that note, too. So that is a... And so you get some hallmarks of the, you know, uh, Caldrod Olv. Maybe not Olv on his own, but Caldrod X Olv style. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think Olv on his own as well. But, like, so you get the, the free sense of time there. That's obviously... We come in on the last iteration of that already very long melodic idea. Um, 
he plays that several he plays that i don't know maybe four times um maybe less uh in the intro um and you can hear him timing it out differently each time mm-hmm. the structure the the melody doesn't change and the changes in the timing uh only serve to create one long sustained overall phrase with these little micro variations in it uh um that's a classic blazeworth thing um then it just lights into his version of this thing right you get the bomb dumb da 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 dum 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 da 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 and that little part at the end that sort of feathered up chords directly calls back part of the phrase that he played in the intro uh and we've talked before about how that specific gesture finishing off a riff with this kind of um unusual sort of uh sort of like fanning out from the main chord line of the riff in that way at the end often mm-hmm. with kind of a strange harmony that's like classic blazeworth stuff right yeah definitely the band that really captured that is uh sanguine eagle um mm-hmm. uh but often they did it in a much more they focused much more on the most sort of uh difficult and eccentric parts of the blazeworth sound for the most mm-hmm. part um, but this sort of stomping thing, right? There is precedent for this. Um, on the back end of the first Raven Dark uh, record, there's a, uh, I think it's in triple time, but there's something that works a lot like this. I was um, figuring, because I'm not super well versed in mm-hmm. Raven Dark, you probably are much more than mm-hmm. me. Uh, mm-hmm. I figured there's a lot of Raven Dark across this record. I think it's that sort of stuff that is a more direct reference point for this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that would be the first. That would be uh, Berustet of Kriegsdronet, um, and that is, uh, I can't remember which one it is, it's five or six. It's either Blinded by Idolite or For Glory Hot. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, there you can hear some Gravelandiness to it. Um, and obviously if you hear any kind of intensely stompy mid-tempo Slav Black thing, you can hear echoes of Graveland here. But like... Really, it's his own thing. It's it's a it's a uh, stomping mid-tempo Blazebirth Hall riff, um, and there's also something, uh, you know, none of this. There's something really unusual about the riffing on this record in general, which I'll try to get to more. But there's almost kind of uh, he doesn't. Eh, it's hard to articulate with this particular example, um, but basically. Uh, you hear this ver- this riffing style that you don't stereotypically associate with the BBH, but you can immediately hear their signatures all over it. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my my thing is, I, I think that this record is attempting to, in a sense, access the origins of Blazebirth. Um, it is, you know, this is not meant to be a mere imitation of Blazebirth Hall, but it's an, an attempt to be a part of it yes. in a way. So it's about accessing the same stuff that influenced old, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, so a lot of this, I see what you mean. So not just referring to that scene as an origin, but taking seriously the notion that he has a stake in that scene and looking to its originary reference points. Exactly, which is why this is so much more kind of second wave sounding than a mm-hmm. lot of Blazebirth stuff. Because obviously, Blazebirth was 
going to listen to a lot of Second Wave. That's the era. So Olve and Kaldrod were listening to a ton of that, and then they were filtering it through their own bizarre sense of how music should go. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, then you get Forrest and Branicald. Well, what happens if we repeat that process, but with a guy who's probably just like, a more competent musician in a traditional sense with better production available. Um, you get something like this. So this is in a sense, very authentic, even though it sounds very different from a lot of blaze birth, just from note to note. Yes, it is. I think, yes, you will misunderstand this record. If you read it in the vein of blaze birth worship albums that have become popular mm-hmm. or even heavily blaze birth influenced albums like sanguine Eagle or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, this is, um, s- yeah, so, no, I, I think I, I, I completely agree with that. Um, and, um, I don't know, like, we could almost, that almost segues pretty well to your sample, but there's something also said to be, to be said for doing them in order. Let's um, do them in order because I, I think, because I personally believe this record completely takes off like a rocket in the second half. Um, so I'd like to hear Okay, you. yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I basically agree. Yeah, so I'd like to hear uh, your first sample before we get yeah. into that second half that most of our stuff's drawn from. Yeah, yeah, so I would say, like, so the that first track, Blazebirth Hall, uh, works like that. The next one, Possessed Son of... The Possessed Son of Dawn, you know, is more of a sort of blasting, riff-driven BM track, you know. Uh, da, da, da. Da, 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 Um, that riff you can hear is, uh, you know, even that's got the unique fingerprint of, of BBH on it, just in terms of how it's timed. And it's a weird riff. It sounds almost like he's chosen intervals by fiat and is just, you know, uh, sort of just sort of presenting it in the as, as this kind of like chord structure it's sort of uh and what it actually is it's a really sped up chord progression progression that's being made to act like a melody mm-hmm. um and it's kind of like the chord progressions on the rest of this album um but yeah so those two tracks are just sort of like there's all sorts of development that happens in both of them and some interesting heavy metalisms which we could talk about but those both sort of declare his personal style, declare its difference from the style of the bands it's going to be immediately associated with, and just generally kind of just, you know, kind of rip, right? Then the record really, I mean, where I was like, oh God, this is a work of genius, is track three, To Sacred Wrath, The Worldly Glory. So we're going to start about uh, 50 seconds in.
Yeah, so there's the uh, the secret weapon. Right. This guy can sing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a thing that is very faithfully in line with the original BBH stuff. There were these moments that would happen maybe once on album mm-hmm. where uh, Olvor Kaldrad would just break out into song. Uh and it would have a similar melodic contour to it. They'd be singing this kind of sort of uh, oratory. It would be a style of like sort of Slavonic folk song as oratory, mm-hmm. right? Sort of speak singing. Um, this guy's singing. Yeah, they'd be sort of speak singing, but it would also kind of have this uneven shamanic warbling quality to it. Right, oh, which yeah. makes it really fucking cool. It's 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 uh, as far from professional singing as you can get. Exactly, and and that's part of why it's awesome, right? The part of the, the crazed vibe of Blazebirth Tall comes through clearest sometimes on the singing, uh, and it's been that's been taken up by successor bands like Nitberg, who did that, who have just this epic Slavonic sing along in the middle of the record, in the middle of their last record. Uh, um, <laughs> Even Cromlech does a riff on that, actually. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, but and, and and many people who have tried to imitate the most cult aspect of BBH will throw in singing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but unlike your 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 Nitbergs or whatever, uh, who who make it more into a sing along chorus, those guys will emphasize the sort of unprofessional quality of the singing or whatever, right? Oh, yeah, because um, they're, they're imitating yes. the flaws. Yes, they fetishize the manner. They mm-hmm. fetishize the surface aesthetic. This guy is like, look, what were these guys trying to do? And it, part of the Blazebirth vision, clearly, uh, is that they saw themselves as playing skaldic song. Right, they, they their their sort of national mythology, right, as they understand themselves as descended from Rus Vikings, mm-hmm. right? They they chart their lineage back to that, and they're interested in the that initial sort of Norse influence on the beginnings of of Russia, um, and they uh, um, and and they see themselves as sort of like bards, bardic singers, stretching all the way back to that tradition. But the thing is, they couldn't sing, and they didn't write songs. <laughs> <laughs> and therein lies the genius. <laughs> Ex- yes, no, for sure, exactly. And that's what's great about it. I mean, you know how much I love music that is not song-oriented normally, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Um, you know, these are these sprawling, uh, you know, sprawling 10-minute tracks that are based purely on these kinds of wandering, stacking melodies and things like that. And um, pure impulse. Pure impulse, exactly. This guy has the pure impulse, which we'll get into, but he's writing songs in a way that's... And, and I mean, I would also say most black metal structures are not songs. I would say mo, mo, and many extreme music structures are not. Like, you know, mm. um, you know, the way black metal track is ordered is not like a rock and roll or heavy metal song. Um, this is structured somewhat like folk song somewhat like probably modern slavic popular song that we just mm-hmm. don't know and some something like opera um and uh 
you can tell I was talking with a guy on Instagram who was saying that you can tell that he's been working on this for years, this record. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll have to go back and listen to that first Sternatus now. I've been listening to this one continually since I got it. Um, so I haven't even gone back and listened to the old one. But I'd be interested to see if the voice has changed. One thing I would guess is that he's taught himself to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the performance there is outstanding, obviously, and the, his ability to move through different... Um, seamless motion from harsh vocals to pure singing that has to do with meticulous control of vocal fry. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think, I think what you're getting at and one of the things that I appreciate about this record is that it's like, when I listen to this, it is, it, it does not remind, it doesn't remind me of a blaze birth hall band, but it does remind me of blaze birth hall. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's not reminding you of any particular band for, or any combination of particular bands it's, from it's, that scene. Yeah, it's harnessing the impulses. It understands that the Blaze Birth bands were results of the kind of idiosyncrasies and particularisms of the guys involved. That's that's the thing about Blaze Birth that I think is compelling. And, mm-hmm. you know, that I know that you go on and off about is that blaze birth bands are at once very impersonal and extremely personal in how kind of eccentric they are. Um, you know, it's, it's music about, you know, infinite nature and stuff, but at the same time, it's also very kind of personally emotional and, you know, you've got all this kind of human quality to it. I think this guy really understands that, um, as a different person, he cannot just imitate the other bands in Blazebirth. He is legitimately channeling something that is very hard to access. He has a real respect for the origins of this scene, and that comes out in the music and how it doesn't really sound like the other bands, I think. Exactly. You respect them by not doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and... um. You know, yeah, he's accessing the originary, the germinal forces that they were trying to access, right? Um, And, you know, for them, they were sort of in immediate contact with this nebular flux of frost wind and, you know, lightning ball (laughs) vortex. And he's in touch with that. And they were interested kind of in just letting that, you know, they were kind of interested in conveying that vortex in sound. He is shaping, doing some more shaping of that nebular, of that swirling nebular energy. He's making something more definite, but it's the same force. Um, And, you know, in some sense, by writing songs or whatever, it's more musically conservative, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But given that this is, seems to be a, but given that these songs are being built on tendencies that we're already in, the old BBH scene, he's also advancing their vision. Uh, you know, it, I don't mean that he's like, it's not more avant-garde than what they were doing, certainly, but it is a development of the vision. It's like, okay, here's Blaze Birth, but as like Skaldic song for real, like mm. actually that. And that's one reason, you know, we talk about like, what is his relationship to that scene? Uh, you know, or like the, the, the cojones on this guy naming at Blazebirth Hall, right? It's, um, 
this to me scans as a tribute to friends and mentors long gone. Mm-hmm. And you're doing that by trying to see their vision through in a certain way, which is extremely ambitious and must put a kind of crippling psychological weight on the work at times. Yeah. Um, I, that's probably why it took 20 years. But one thing that's <laughs> wonderful about the record is that he fucking did it. Yeah. He, he did it. Finished it. He did it. Thinking right? about it forever. Yeah. So, okay. So I would say that like where the first two tracks are kind of like bangers, um, the, the, the distinct melodic themes of the record and it's kind of all the special characteristics of it start to coalesce in the third track. And I would say that's the beginning of the real of I, I would say that like the last four songs form kind of a suite together. But you're mm-hmm. right that it really starts to gather momentum with the next one. Yeah. So uh, first three tracks I I liked but I wasn't totally sold yet. This one, Wolf Spirit Firewheel is uh, <laughs> where it all comes together. For me, at least. So I want to ask you, I got a couple kind of questions about the sample. So the main riff of the sample, is this a Raven Dark thing? I'm guessing it is. And then uh, the drumming that happens here, is that a direct sort of Capricornus from Graveland reference? All right. So that main riff there, that really kind of gnarly chromatic one, is that a kind of Raven Dark thing? Um, so disclaimer, right? Because I've been going back to all this stuff lately, I don't think I know Raven Dark well enough to like say this definitively, right? I've I've really only listened to Barusta, so um. 
But no, I would say that that, if anything, sounds like a Wotan solver. If uh, which that was going to be my next bet, yeah. Conveniently, I double checked right before we started recording tonight. Um, Wotan solve is weird. Well, it's n- yeah, but it's not as weird as I remember it being. At least not all of it. I clicked on. Um, well, it's kind of like BBH as like a really fucking necro black metal band, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's necro, but it's like. It's kind of beefy, just like faint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's only one record, uh, and that is more. It's honestly the most like Norse stuff of the older BBH stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I've listened to the Wotan Soul record. Oh, and there's some really confusing history with this because this isn't released till 2016. The official full length. And it was, but, like, supposed to be the next Forest, or was that Varglide or something? It's the same project as Ravendark. Who, it's really confusing. Yeah, I know. There there was so much, yeah. like... <laughs> so I guess we can say that it's an Ulvrif. I guess we can say that. It's and like, understanding BBH requires a college course of its own, just to, like, unpack the different <laughs> relationships yes, and what was uh, what band and shit. You know? Interested to see how long that course would last in the college. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be a troll. Just keep going until someone notices. Blazeworth <laughs> Hall 101. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, uh, what are they funding in college these days? Um, <laughs> Um, but, um, but the second riff, I think is more kind of, uh, is more kind of Raven darky. It has that sort of mm, okay. subtle romantic shading, the sort of the da, 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 Yeah, I don't know, this, this section really got me, which is interesting because it's composed of things that I don't care about in black metal usually. Mm-hmm. Like, just like very simple gnarly chromatic riffs and like mm-hmm. very simple um like kind of almost gestural melodic lines i don't know but there was something about the way it all comes together that's really good oh the the other thing that bizarre staggered drum beat there is that a capricornus thing no <laughs> that is this guy well he's also he's also too good at drums too <laughs> yeah well of course yeah it's um no no one will ever uh, attain capricornus's uh blend of sort of uh, artistic vision and ineptitude and abv um, <laughs> it's um uh but like this is um it's probably inspired by it it almost sounds like what happens when capricornus fucks up you know, like those parts he, of following he, the voice of blood where he f- like he fucks re- up onto the beat. It's almost like an inverted Graveland beat. It's probably kind of inspired by that. But like, honestly, as far as black metal, that's about as like choppy and noise rock as it gets. You know what I mean? It's really um, cool. It's really cool. No, I agree. Uh, I think that's just I think that's just this guy riffing on that and that gets at the riff the main riff there too the chromatic one like mm-hmm. i think i want to stress and maybe i'll go back to it at the end but what sets blaze birth apart is a certain sense of freedom mm-hmm. they really don't believe in compositional rules mm-hmm. um they had an ear for folk melody they understood certain kinds of folk and heavy metal uh chord progressions right um, this guy clearly does. Um, 
But outside of that, there really are no rules in terms of how you're supposed to get from one rift to another or what you can do within one. Uh, and often they'll just make rifts by fiat, just discovering possibilities where no one else would. So, like, who says you can't just keep going? Da 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 da. <laughs> who, who says you can't keep wobbling between those two notes more times than you're supposed to? Right? Who says you can't just do another weird little chromatic ascent at the end? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's um. You know, who says you can't just stagger the drums like when Capricornus falls over? Um, it's <laughs> like, and so this, and that's that's one of the things about this record. Like, although it is much less, um, you know, it is less flowing and swirling and much more sort of definite in its form. It has that sense of freedom and that sense of moving into possibility spaces that nobody even notices exist. I mean, this ditto with the singing, right? He's like, that is a um, going full on into song like that is, you know, certain kinds of black metal bands do that. It's usually not very good. The the band closest to it is Swarm. Mm, yeah. Um, the Japanese sort of screamo grind band, but um, even his delivery is similar at times. Uh, but like you know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of although the structures on this are clearly defined. There's a ton of freedom in how he executes it. Yeah, I agree. Um, mm-hmm. And with that, w- one more for me, and then I'll let you take us mm-hmm. out. Uh, Okay, so I, when I first heard about this, I had my doubts. I mean, you got a guy who's naming his record Blazeworth Hall. He wasn't, you know, directly in the bands, but he was hanging around, yada, yada. I was ready to kind of dismiss this. But, okay, there is a song, at least one song, that I think this is going to grow on me over time. I'm going to go back to mm-hmm. this in the future. But there is a song that does achieve Blazeworth Hall that justifies the title. It is called Ramming with Maelstrom of Will. And I am not mispronouncing Maelstrom. It is Maelstorm. I am <gasps> I am sure that is an accidental kind of uh, mistranslation. I, I don't think so. I, I, even if it is, I believe in my head that this is deliberate. It is a Maelstorm of Will. So right from the top of this one this is the essence as i see it of blazeberth hall Oh, 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 oh,
So, like you were saying earlier, um, Blazeberth Hall is... Uh, you know, what defines Blazeberth Hall? Uh, well, I mean, there is a continuity in certain melodic ideas. Uh, there's a continuity in, uh, in sounds and textures, stuff like that. But those arose almost coincidentally in the meeting of the minds between Ulv and Kaldrad and their associates. At no point did it ever seem in Blazeberth Hall that there was a dogmatic statement about this is what Blazeberth Hall is, or uh, mm-hmm. you know this, or this is what black metal is. To be more grandiose, right, right. There wasn't a Euronymous ultimatum. No, of course not. So listening to this section, and I, I cannot even articulate it musically or specifically what it is, but listening to this song in particular, "Ramming with Maelstrom mm-hmm. of Will." Is there anything in the Blazeberth Hall catalog that actually sounds like this? No. This is way too refined. The singing is too good. The melodies are not exactly what you would hear on Blazeberth, etc. However, I will die on the hill that this is, without question, a canonical Blazeberth Hall song. Yeah, so since we're music critics, I guess we have to figure out why. Um... And that's tricky, right? Because the whole point of this record is that it's just, it's channeling the essence. Yeah, Yeah, it just is. (laughs) You know, you can list all these reasons and all you're doing is dancing around something that you feel, right? Um, But, uh, you know, one thing would be that uh, in two minutes and 35 seconds, there is one riff there. Yeah, and it's an extremely complete idea. You know, it's, uh, you, there is an entire song found there just in that passage. Like the the song could end there and it would make as much sense to end there as it actually does five minutes later. You know, Blazeberth Hall songs are always infinite songs. They're Mm -hmm. always fragments of an an infinite stream of time. Yeah. He definitely, yeah. So the earlier songs on this record are more bounded, and I think deliberately. Mm-hmm. And then by Ramming with Maelstorm and the last one, we get into these kinds of eternally iterable patterns. Um, yeah. Which was always the thing for yeah. me, especially when I was so there's a mo- Yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, you know, we're both believers in the eternal riff. Um, mm-hmm. They start sort of moving... So it keeps this songish organization to it, but it starts moving away from a song with different parts to it. This is so the thing that keeps it songish in part is that the riff is just a chord regression. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, as you say, he takes his time with it. It's deliberate. These are uh, the long sense of time informs almost all. Well, informs all of them one way or another, uh, and. Uh, this is, it's almost like the chord progression to a Blazeberth Hall riff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You could map this under certain, the more folk melody shaped Forrest or Branicald riffs. Um, it, uh, but yeah, that, that sense that this one riff could just keep repeating and kind of does is very fundamental to that. I mean, the the vocal performance here is astonishing. Uh, Yeah, I think it's the single best vocal section on the record. 
Yeah, it's just awesome. And it's also, I mean, I really like that earlier one, but that track is deliberately more sort of pensive and uh, sort of uh, shimmering, right? Mm -hmm. To Sacred Wrath is is a lot more of an Enchanted Forest kind of vibe. Here, the um, even when it's slow, it has that just sort of... Um, uh, um, sort of weaponized virility that the uh, that that the title suggests. I, w- I want to say also about the title, like that is one of Blazer's distinct contributions. I think maybe not to black metal, just to th- this is one of those scenes that's operating on the plane of art in general, right? Yeah, you say that about skepticism, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, operating on the plane of art in general, these guys were poets. I can't read their fucking Russian, but just in terms of the song titles, there's an entire world in the song titles. Yeah. And I think what happened was that initially maybe they came up with some English titles that just accidentally sounded cool, right? You get this sort of like remnants of Slavic grammar in the titles and stuff like that, or misspellings. They clearly did that intentionally over time. Somebody mm-hmm. had to have told them because it's basically refined to an art. And the fact that it's an art is proved by the fact that it's replicable. This guy does it here. The titles on this record are incredible. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> you know, I mean, ramming with male storm of will. Holy shit, right? Um, it's the uh, most black metal song title possible. Uh, no, no, they really are. Wolf Spirit, Fire Wheel. You're going to put them both in one track? Okay. Um, <laughs> y- you know, like, uh, it's... The, the titles are... The titles themselves are a sick album. Um, do, do you have anything more for this one, or should we roll to the next... Let's roll into the next one. We're, we're so, talk about a title. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So here the um, the ascent into eternal riff uh, up toward the Blaze Birth Hall continues with where the lightnings are pounding.
Which one? The da da the uh, the last one on that sample. Mm-hmm. Um. So wait, wait, wait. There's the da 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 da, or the one that starts da da da. That one. Yeah. Da, yeah, the one that more, more the one that has descends. that sort of like yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. there's also that that sort of punk climb one that, you know, that mm-hmm. one. That that's it. I think so. Yeah, that one has. Uh, no, I hear that for sure. I can hear that connects to some of the um, uh, what's the, the uh, Vlado that we were listening to the other week. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, these riffs are both astonishing because again. They are just chord progressions, and yet they are uh, just like um, searing lightnings pounding the hillside, right? Uh, and part of that again has to do with that sense of compositional freedom. It's just that thing that you're saying sounds really foresty. Is he just has these? he takes he takes his time with it and each chord has these little grace notes up to it or down to it um and uh even though the basic form seems to repeat the grace notes on the second version are all different uh it's just this sense of i can move the chords around here why not right like why do I just have to play the root notes here? Um, uh, or yeah, sorry, that was that was the wrong one. I think. Da, 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 da. In some sense, right? That is just playing the same riff over and over again while the root note changes, mm-hmm. and yet he finds so much room in it. Um, it, it. If you the more closely you listen, the more you realize, oh, it's not just that. Um, other things we should talk about. I think we both neglected the fact that currently this is also a full lineup. The band he or yeah, although, yeah. yeah, is that true? I'm. It's it's hard to tell. I, I this is clear. I mean, these are clearly live drums, um, and a drummer's listed yeah. on Metal Archive. So I'm going to assume that this is like a three piece now. Wow. Yeah, I would believe that it is. It sounds like full band playing. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's got a bassist and he's got a drummer, and the drummer apparently was an ex-member of Serpentrance, who we have reviewed on this. Yeah, show. I saw that. That's that's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, but anyway, um, so the bass playing is fantastic. Um, the bass very often the bass is percussive throughout the record, which is a quality that is often missing from BM bass. Um, in that, that puts it in a very small group of black metal bands that emphasize percussive bass, like uh, Eisenskar and Hate Spirit. So basically, really cult weird shit will have that kind of hammering <laughs> bulldozer bass sound. And it's here too, but it doesn't really have the discharge distortion on it. It's just very physical playing. Um, and it allows him to get more range in the riffs, just rising and falling up to them. Uh, um, you know, this is one of... The, the, the whole album builds to this track, you know. Um, it's almost like the album's mission is to launch this track. Um, and, you know, often a colossal album closer is kind of grueling to listen to. Do you ever have that feeling? Uh, 
no, I I only like the colossal parts of records. You know me. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes it's just like, okay, here's the ten minute epic. I don't know. I just like the earlier songs with the sick riffs. Like maybe the ten minute epic is very special, but like it takes a lot of energy for me to listen to often. Um, stuff like that can like be sort of caught, co- especially when it's really powerful. It can kind of cost emotional energy. Whereas this track is just like to me is purely energizing. Um, uh, yeah, so we talked about the chord progression riffs. What other stuff? You know, basically another thing is that like stripping the riffs down like this uh, into the fundamental stuff of song uh, just makes more room for the performance. The vocals here have that declamatory thing, but he's you can really you could hear Olvin Caldrad rolling R's and doing Slavic pronunciation in a cool way. Here he's really doing that, right? Uh, sort of very theatrical growling. Um, uh, but it also just brings out the sheer passion in the guitar playing. He's got a great tone. How how would you say the tone differs from their stuff? Oh, in terms of just guitar tone? Uh, yeah, because it's, it's got it's much more yeah. immediate obviously Mm -hmm. it's not swaddled in 30 layers of reverb and delay anymore yeah it's got that kind of in a way it's like the core tone on following the voice and thousand sorts it has that this is a string instrument tone but with more distortion on it 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 also buzzes really hard um it's a perfect tone to me um uh but yeah all the playing is really physical and uh you know, if, if you really had to define that thing for Blaze Birth, they might think of it as um, Odinic Frenzy, as uh, basically the root of the word Od- of the name Odin, right? Wad or Odor, Odor. Um, this sense of like uh, possession by this force streaming from outside. Uh, which, you know, the Norse associated not just with berserking, but also with uh, with poetry. And I think maybe on this project he's found a, a vehicle for delivering that kind of wildness and frenzy 